Welcome to the Victorious Souls Podcast with self-love coach, Danielle Burnock. Things happen in our lives that make us feel powerless. But Danielle believes that anyone can become a victorious soul by reclaiming what belongs to them, their value, their belovedness, and their God-given superpower. The Victorious Souls Podcast is dedicated to empowering you to rise up, reclaim, and embrace the change from survive to thrive as a victorious soul through the power of love. And now, here's that lady on the internet who loves you, Danielle. And hello, welcome to today's interview with my friend, Travis, who is a fellow trauma survivor and also a coach and helps other people. And he's just got so much he's going to share with us. And I'm, I'm really excited to introduce him to you. So without any further ado, I am going to bring him in here. One moment. And here he is. Hello, Travis. Hey, it didn't take me through the regular things I generally go through, and it didn't let me name this like usual. So technology is great when it works. <laughs> Good. So I want to thank you for joining me live today on Facebook. And then later, as I uh, share this in all my other uh, networks, I just I really appreciate you coming on here and doing this live because I like doing things live because people get the real you. I don't edit everything out of here they just get the real you especially with what we talk about right so thank you and i wanted to uh why don't you share with the people just a little bit of how you met me and how we met well you know i was i was on the journey of wanting to share my story where i was in life and and ran into my really great friend brenda Hare, who's a part of igniting souls and she pulled me into that because I've been following this really amazing ball-headed guy online that I learned was karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> and then I believe we both ended up at the 2019 Igniting Souls Conference. And then uh, although we live half the country away from each other, connected, and, and it seemed like we have a lot of shared passions, so we're connected on social media. Um, and it seemed like our path has diverged now because we even have a closer shared passion in some of the ways we want to help people. Oh, excellent. Yes. Yes. You're, you're an unhackable coach too, right? Yes. Yeah. So am I. So we have, yeah, through Igniting Souls, we had got connected and I just, I'm so, I like the bald guy with the girl's name too, Carrie Overbrunner. So we can say his name and loud and proud. I'm, I'm thankful to be a part of Igniting Souls. It's been a very great part of my life and still is. <laughs> So why don't you uh, share with the people who are, are watching or listening later on, uh, what kind of trauma have you been through and recovered from or are in recovery with? Uh, well, what I've been through is when I was a child, the first six years of my life was pretty tumultuous. My mom uh, was married to a very abusive alcoholic man. She, she left him, divorced him, married another man for a brief six month period, he was abusive and an alcoholic. Wow. In the midst of that, um, unbeknownst to my mom, at least at the time, I became a victim of sexual abuse um, by that alcoholic biological father. Um, several occurrences there. Um, when I was six, um, there was an impetus 
a moment that happened with her second husband holding a gun to her head right in front of me. Um, something made him put the gun to his head and he passed out. We picked up everything and left. Fast wow. forward, my mom met this amazing man that was my dad until I lost him in 2010. And, and mom and dad wise had a great life, but we became a family, moved into what I call a poor side of my hometown, Marshall, Texas. <laughs> um, and I became connected to a neighbor um, that had some mental challenges and he ended up introducing me to a man in the neighborhood that then proceeded to groom me and I was sexually abused again. This time it was an on and off period for about three years. Um, and, wow, I just, and how old were you then? That was between like age seven and nine. Wow. Um, and I don't even know why and how it ended. I don't know if he left, got caught, but we did move across town when I was 10, 11, but it just, it ended as quickly as it started. Um, wow. And that became the, the dark seeds that planted within me to deal with trauma for a good 40 years of my life. Wow. Wow. And you had told me that uh, you had hid this trauma from your parents, didn't you? They, they never knew that this took place. No, my, I lost my dad in 2010. I lost my mom in 2015. And in 2010, my wife has even only known 11 years. Um, I mean, the subject that we could talk about for hours is shame. And when I was a little kid, I blamed myself. Uh, that's a six-year-old brain. Yeah, that's, what's, that's what kids do. Home. They blame themselves. Yeah. And when it happened a second time, I'd already met this amazing man that was my father. And I said... I reckoned with the truth that if I tell him what happened to me, he'll leave us because I'm wow. broken and messed up. And I remember being on the first date with him and my mom and he made her smile. And <laughs> I remember saying, that's what I want to do with my life. I want to make people smile. I want to make people happy. And that means I have to hide my darkness. And then when it happened a second time, my child brain said, well, it must be my fault. There's something wrong with me. Wow. And if I go home and tell mom and dad, I'll wreck our happy family. So I just hit it. Um, that's a lot of, that? that's a lot of heaviness for a little kid to carry. What I've learned that happens with fear and shame when we hold on to it, God, God never wired us to hold on to stuff that deep alone. Right. Uh, but those feelings of shame become an identity. So as a young child, I felt worthless and unlovable. As I got into preteen and teen years, I no longer felt unlovable. I would tell myself I am unlovable. And that subtle change in the narrative was that now I believed that's my identity. So I spent the next 40 years of my life trying to, to attach to this, what I call external economy of making enough people happy, enough people laugh, impress enough people, perform well enough that somehow this darkness will just go away. Wow. And you said how many years you did that? Well, good 40 years. 40 years. I just want to pause here because there's people who are listening to this that you're still hiding stuff. How many years has it been for you? And here, listen to Travis. He yeah. suffered. You can stop suffering. Let's what did let's hear with Travis what he did, how he got free, what happened. But Travis, what is it that happened that that yet that 40 year mark that suddenly something changed. 
Well, you know, we, we hit, my wife and I, we've been together, fixing to be 33 years, most amazing woman on the planet. Congratulations. Um, thank you. We, we hit these points in our life where we were struggling through issues. We would get through them and we thought everything was going to be okay. And for years at a time, things were great. What happened and what I learned, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. what I learned is <laughs> we were always dealing with the symptoms. So I hid anxiety. Most of the people that have known me for 30 plus years would never put me in the group of people that struggled with anxiety because I hid it so well because the shame said, I can't be an anxious person and make people happy and fix people. So I have to just hold on to that. So what we were doing is dealing with the symptoms. You know, early in our marriage, I was angry. Um, I struggled with the pornography that I was exposed to as a child. And it finally took what, what we call in our family and what we call with clients we deal with now, a train wreck, a huge personal tragedy in our marriage to wake me up to some simple but deep core truths about this narrative that goes on inside ourselves when we've experienced trauma. Um, and what I really want people to know out there is trauma is not what you experience. It doesn't have to be sexual abuse or barely escaping the twin towers. It can be something seemingly small, but what takes hold of us is that narrative we write and believe about ourselves that just plants in us and carries with us, you know, because I had a friend ask, well, well, what's the what's the greatest struggle you've ever had in your life? Who do you hate the most? What part of your life do you hate the most? It has to be that abuse. And I said, no, it's not. Because here I am a grown man. I'm not still being sexually abused. So I'm not in bondage to sexual abuse. Right, I'm right. bondage to what I came to believe about myself. Yeah, it's not the incident. It's the aftermath. Right. And um, we, we hit this personal struggle in our marriage. And I woke up to this realization that I've known all my life. I've been a believer since 1988. I know I deserve better than this. I know I don't deserve this kind of life, this kind of struggle. And, and then it hit me because I asked myself, well, if you know it, why don't you change? And then it just, it's like God speaking to me. Knowledge doesn't create action, belief does. And that's where I came up with the phrase that I know I've shared with you before, words create worlds. Right. And I began to unpack through this year long journey of realizing I had such a painful, dark story written around my life. I didn't have a chance to get free. Yeah. So until I realized the power of words, the power of this internal narrative, um, I was going to stay in bondage. But this awakened us to the fact that if words create worlds, we can uncreate that world in a sense, create the world God created us for and find freedom and healing. And so that's the the journey we began at that point. And, and for me, I think it's the journey we stay on the rest of our lives. Yeah. No, we, we never arrive. It's a journey of growth. Um, the goal each morning when I hit the floor one is God, let me see the world around me through your eyes and let me be a better version of my yesterday self. And that's what drives us now, whether it's in our own marriage or whether it's with clients, we get to help. We, humbly and vulnerably embrace our story with clients. And so we, I remember years ago telling God, you've helped me be free from this. So my story is yours. Use it as you please. So now we use it with clients. It's, it's soon becoming the book that I'm writing um, and trying to finish as we speak. So yeah, that that's, it, it took a train wreck to wake me up. 
And I think it does for a lot of people. We I've had countless couples that we've worked with that it takes some kind of powerful impetus to wake us up to the fact that we're holding on to a bondage we can't deal with on our own. And Why do you think that is? Why do you think that it takes something huge to shake us, a personal crisis to, to do this? Do you, do you have an opinion of why it takes well, that? Why won't someone I, just act? I think um, a lot of your listeners, or at least a good number of them, probably have heard of Brene Brown, you know, oh. she's the shame expert. And, and I remember her saying something along the lines that shame is one of the most powerful forces in the universe. And, and it's not that we have this pride issue of not wanting to share, not wanting to connect our story with someone. We have this shame in my case that I don't deserve this. I don't deserve to connect with someone else. I did all of this. I messed my life up. So I have to fix it. And, and I think that's true for all of us, but if, if men are listening or when you share this, if men are listening, it's so much more true with men, you know, we're wired with this little, internal guy in our head that says, if something's broke, I have to fix it. Mm-hmm. And that's such a lie because we weren't created for that. We yeah. weren't created to deal with that level of brokenness because when I began the journey of healing, part of the healing began to happen just when I shined light on the darkness, just when I embraced my story with someone else and spoke it. Was it painful? Yes. Did it hurt? Oh my God, it hurt. But that began the change because it began to awaken me to this process of discovering and raising awareness to this internal narrative, how it had broken me, how my wife and I all through the years were just dealing with symptoms. Let's fix the anger. Let's fix the anxiety. Let's fix the porn struggle. And all of that was just working on the symptoms instead of going, you know what, let's let's dive down into the deep end of the pool and figure out what's clogging the filter. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, it's the fear and shame of this abuse that I had suffered 40 years ago that was still holding on to me. It was the story I was telling myself that I'm worthless and unlovable and that's what I deserve. And on the outside, I just have to try to make the most of it. Yeah, that's so common. It's like it's like the same old story, the same old song and dance. It goes through all of our minds it's like we go through this abuse or that abuse or this trauma or that trauma and it's so similar the same shame the same worthlessness the same fear the same common denominators of just that internal misery that it's just like an undercurrent that's just like ripples underneath and like you said you 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 cover it up with i need to make people happy i need to be responsible i need to you know fulfill my obligation. I have this, you know, whatever it is that you cover it up with. Yeah. And, and, and through that process, we become a self-fulfilling prophecy. I have to create this world out here to take care of my world, my wife, my kids, my family, my responsibilities. But deep down inside the choices we make to hold on to that shame cause us to wreck or damage or hurt the very things that we're trying to protect and preserve. You know, oh, wow. So, so do you think that the, the very facade that we, or mask that we hide behind, do you think that through that process of living that false kind of life, that that creates in some way the personal crisis? Well, I think it feeds the crisis of the bondage from the trauma that we're, we're already steeped in. You know, the crisis that wakes us up. I mean, does it kind of like cause the train wreck? 
Well, yeah, it, it's, it, it does. And I, you know, my wife and I will sit here with clients. The first time she ever did this, it made me cry in front of the client, you know, and, and our client was already crying. So it was a real emotional moment, but she said, she said, you may struggle to believe this right now, but I sit here in front of you thankful for everything that we went through because the crisis we went through broke through the facade and helped us realize that we were, the saying we used is we were spending years and years of our life polishing the Taj Mahal and it was nothing more than a facade in front of a trash dump. Yeah. <laughs> and this tragedy cracked this open it, and it brings you to the point of, of brokenness and, and brokenness is a very powerful thing, kind of like belief. Brokenness can lead us deeper into that shame or it can lead us to humility. And when it leads us to humility, it opens the door for vulnerability to where we say, look, I got nothing else. Yeah. I've tried everything else. I've created this world that I tried to preserve everything out here and protect it from my darkness. And it hasn't done it. It wasn't working. And I never was meant to live that way. Yeah. So I see what you mean yeah. about that brokenness, the word brokenness. It's you can get tripped up by words because you can have a perception of what that word means to you. And so you're stuck over in that. But I see how there are because I've seen the brokenness that leads to shame and yeah. I've seen it a whole lot more. So it's harder for me to embrace the brokenness that brings you to humility, but you, you're right. There is one and it's how we respond. And, and when we have a, a safe place, when we have a safe place to unpack that, we have to have that safe place for our soul, for that vulnerability to come out. And it's like when the light shines on the truth, it's like that the shame falls off when it's a safe place. And it's like, you're not hiding anything anymore. Yeah. Yeah. That brokenness, if, if we let it feed the shame, it keeps us pinned up in this prison cell that we created. I mean, the shame creates this prison cell that holds us in bondage to these truths that are really lies about right. us that are worthless and unlovable. What happens, we stay there so long and we take on this identity that we become comfortable. We decorate the prison cell, hang a big screen, put up curtains. And it's and when the things get tough on the outside world or don't go yeah. the way we expect them to, we retreat back into that comfort zone. Yeah, because it's familiar. Yeah. And it's it familiar takes, and breaking out of that and healing and facing that is unfamiliar. And that creates discomfort on top of what you have to face. Yeah. And I, I think the depth of when you have a, a dual bondage, you have the bondage from the trauma you went through. You have the bondage uh, from the narrative you created and carried for 5, 10, 15, 40 years. Yeah. That, that it becomes so comfortable. I think that's why for so many people it takes a train wreck. It takes the wheels falling off and things falling apart to wake up and say, look, I'm out in the open. The prison walls have cracked open. Where do I go for comfort? Where do I go for, for, for freedom? Yeah. And we're left with nothing in our, but ourselves and before God. And yeah. it's, a it's like the familiar had been destroyed. There's no familiar place to run to anymore. It, it's wow. a painful, scary place but it's a very beautiful and humbling place. It's yeah. a place that on the backside of a train wreck that breaks us free from our trauma on the backside of it, you're able to actually call it a blessing. Yeah. Even though it was painful. I mean, it, you know, there's a phrase that a lot of people have heard hurt people, hurt people. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the most painful things because from six years old, I gave myself that, that edict or that rule 
make people happy, make the world smile. And then you fast forward and look and go, wow, look at all the choices I made in life where I hurt people. The exact opposite thing I wanted to do. And that's the importance of embracing humility and vulnerability, because if we let it, that can steep us so much further back down in the shame that we stay lost in that vicious cycle. And that's what had happened to me most of my life. I saw people I heard. I saw my wife I'd heard way back there, 20 years, 30 years. And it's like, wow, I got to retreat back in. So I polish the facade and try to do as good as I can on the outside and just deal with my battle in here on my own, which usually means not dealing with it. It means just <laughs> closing the closet. And, and I had that viv vivid imagery when I went through my healing. There was a doorway that for 40 years, I'd never allow myself to touch the doorknob because everything behind that door was the things that I could not fix or get free from. Wow. And when, when that personal crisis breaks open that door, yes, it's painful. Yes, it hurts. Yes, it's scary. But it's the step that begins freedom. You know, we, we can't know true freedom in life until we know what we're in bondage to. Right. So would you say that the, the thing that you probably took ownership of to move you toward freedom would be taking ownership of the truth of your trauma? Absolutely. It's, it's, and it goes back to that narrative, those words. And, 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 and I use the term the fear and shame are constructs and they're constructs that we create. You know, no, people can do bad things to you. People can say bad things to you, mm -hmm. but they don't have the power to make you fear. It's the thing we believe, like mm -hmm. spiders. We, we, my son's definitely afraid of spiders. I told him, I said, you don't fear spiders. You fear the narrative you tell yourself about what those spiders can do to you. Mm -hmm. And most not true. And so, yeah, we, 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 it's this narrative that holds us in bondage and the awakening is realizing I've been fearing fear all my life. I, I created that fear. I mm -hmm. allowed it to fester. We've been we've been afraid to face that shame. I wrote the narrative that that dug me deep in. You know, as a child, yeah, I had a child's brain, so I wrote the story I could write. Right. You try to make sense of the trauma, and a six, seven, eight year old cannot make sense of something. Oh no, never, never. Can't sexual trauma, and that's why we write such painful, dysfunctional stories. The yeah, only thing so protesting. Me, yeah, the only thing that made sense to me is these things are happening to me because I must be a bad person. Nothing else in a seven, eight-year-old brain makes sense. Yeah. So then you become a teenager, an adult. That just keeps working because we've created that prison cell that's now our comfortable retreat from the world we can't fix around us. Wow. Wow. So now you are working with people. What are you doing um, now? You mentioned writing a book and you mentioned clients. What are you doing? You're paying it forward with what you have been working through with your, your life. What are you into right yeah. now? Part of our journey is 2004. I went to grad school, um, got my master's degree in professional counseling. Um, I know now part of the reason I did that was because I had this deep, intense hunger to to find freedom from my own demons. But I also struggled with, I was not worthy to expose my demons the way I helped everybody else do it. Mm -hmm. So I still struggled, but fast forward to now, you know, the, everything my wife and I've been through, we've got our own private practice um, as life coaches. I helped her get certified so that she could help see 
um, women and help me with couples, but we've got that male and female and that team approach. She still has her day job, but she coaches with me. Um, I've been in an arduous two-year journey of trying to write this book. Um, I've, I've come to terms with the fact that everything has a divine timing. Right. So I quit being hard on myself about why I didn't have it in 2019, why I didn't have it during Corona. I stopped believing that carryover burner is not going to like me anymore. He's going <laughs> to drop me. He doesn't believe I have a book. All those lies. Yeah. And now I'm, I'm very close. Um, the book is called We Are All Fireflies, um, partly because during that time when I was being abused, one of the places of solace that I found was out among the pecan trees catching fireflies like a lot of us did as a kid. Fast forward to my healing after our little train wreck, um, it became a very deeply spiritual thing and kind of the mantra to my book kind of birthed in my soul. We carry all the light we will ever need to illuminate all the darkness we will ever face. Mm-hmm. And it's a moment I had with God, a, a tearful moment, and I'm trying not to tear up on camera right now, <laughs> that I was questioning God. I was having those moments like David where I was cursing God. I was like, why did you let this happen? Where were you? And he said, my child, I was always there. And mm-hmm. you always had the light to illuminate that darkness. You just had to believe. And so that's how the first section of my book, the, the note to the reader begins. Mm-hmm. The, the thing I struggle with, the reason this has been a, a years long journey to get here is because a belief is a very powerful thing. And it's, it's the most powerful thing to block progress, I think, in the universe. Yeah. When you believe, you can move mountains. Yeah. When you believe the lies, you can find yourself in the pit of a darkness that you feel like you never get out of. Yeah, that's so true. So we're blessed now to be helping people with our story. We, we embrace it very vulnerably. Yeah, sure, it's hard. Sure, it's humbling. Um, but we do. We're, we're very open with individual clients. When the book comes out, they're going to kind of get the, they're not just going to get the mountains and all the beautiful stuff. That's section three in the book. They're going to get in section one, the dark part, the struggle, the battles, you know. As That's what people relate said. to. <laughs> yeah. Well, as my grandfather said, I'm one of them people that hit every rung of the ladder on the way down. And so I made just about every mistake, you know, so it's I feel like I'm kind of like uh, one of the things Carrie says is one one writing style is is from the point of view of a Sherpa. And I feel like that's what I am. I've been up and down the mountain so many times. I've fallen. I've hit every rock and crack and fallen in every pit. So let me help you along the way, not because I'm an expert. Uh, I tell people in the book, the only thing I'm an expert in is my story. Mm-hmm. I've lived it. And that's the point of view of the book. It doesn't get deeply spiritual with a ton of scripture. It doesn't get deeply psychological with all my training in grad school. It's my story. Maybe those Mm -hmm. things will come in future books, but this is just me bearing my soul to the world and helping people understand the power of that phrase, words create worlds. And I want it to help people find their light, find the pathway out of their own darkness, whatever it may be, and to find that freedom to live their best life. Right. And about this, uh, words that create worlds, what could you say to our listeners and those watching about words create worlds and them going forward, how can they harness this? You don't have your book out yet. So what is something you could say to help them on that area? 
Well, I mean, I, I could talk for a couple hours on that because you just put the whole outline of my book. But um, the, the first hard thing, you know, the section one of my book is hard because it talks about we have to raise awareness to this narrative. We have to acknowledge that this story we believed about ourselves has created part of the damage and bondage we're living in. We, we have to reach a point where we accept. That's a hard place, but that's where the journey begins where we're sitting at the foot of life's toolbox that's supposed to have all these grand, beautiful tools that God gave us. And we look down and we've got a broken hammer and a used roll of duct tape. And we have to say, okay, this is where my story's got me, but this is where healing begins. And then we have to move into an action plan that is steeped in and rooted in a firm belief that all the lies I believe can be overturned and turned into truth. And then we work through a healing process of beginning to, to, to heal the way we see the world around us, the way we see ourselves in the world, the way we hear that inner voice, our thoughts and feelings, and how we process it moving forward, how we listen for the cues and the red flags that will still try to rear their head. <laughs> now, for believers, especially out there, the enemy's very cunning. And, and it's not that he'll plant things in our life. He knows what things to put in front of us because he knows us. <laughs> we have to constantly be working through this healing process and then figure out how we truly believe in ourselves because we've lived a life believing so many lies about ourselves that our value is bankrupt. So we have to rebuild, rebuild that investment in self to where we believe we are what we hear people saying about us that love us. We believe we are what God says about us. Then we can move forward into... And the third section of my book is fun. It's, it's, it's eight things, eight foundations that we cultivate and nurture the rest of our life. Thanks. Wow, that's great. Yeah. With Thanksgiving and, and how we hunger for things in the world in a healthy way, how we work on conquest of healthy things, not battling the dark things and focusing on the negative, you know, how we connect to one another, how we build a sense of community around ourselves and in our own heart and soul, how we build community with self yeah. and how we move forward. The last section of the book is called story, how we move forward in this newfound awareness and health and write our own story. You know, I tell awesome. people our story is going to write us or we're going to write our story. And oh, I like that. Yeah, this transition and getting free from this trauma, whatever the trauma may be, like I said, I really want the listeners to know it can be the smallest thing. We worked with a lady in California who was in bondage 25 years to low self-esteem, zero value, broken relationships, weight problems, never being able to believe in herself. And when we unpacked her story, we got to the impetus moment it was a moment where her dad told her 13-year-old little self when he came home from work and said hello to her. He says, babe, you're getting fat. And in that moment, the story the 13-year-old brain was able to tell herself to make sense of it was, you're right, Dad, I'm fat and worthless. And that planted the seeds of belief that for 25 years she was in bondage to that. But the beautiful thing is all that energy and power that we use to create and support this negative dark world of bondage is the exact same power and energy that we use to flip things around and to live and embrace this Amen. life of light. Amen. Oh, thank you for sharing that story, because that's something I bring up all the time because of my quote that's gone viral of how trauma is personal. 
because people think that it's the event. They think that it has to be super bad. It has to be like you were beaten or it has to be something really severe. And I think, I think sometimes people either they, they don't see something like the one you shared or they are so shame filled because it's too small to them. I know that's something that I dealt with. So I had things in me that I have big and little things, but uh, you know, they were too small to me. I compared them with other huge things. It's like, but trauma is personal. It happens within the soul. And so I just thank you for sharing that. I loved your line about we tell our story or our still our story will tell us. Is that what yeah, you said? We write our own story or our story will write us. Yeah, I loved that. I love that. Thank you so much. Is there anything you want to leave our listeners with before we uh, sign up for today? Well, it, I'm going to be repeating myself, but this is my driving mantra in life. You carry all the light you will ever need to illuminate all the darkness you will ever face. Well, thank you. Thank you for being with us here today, Travis. And I'll, uh, I'll talk to you in just a couple minutes, okay? All right. Thank you. And thank you everyone for being with us today. I am Danielle Burnock from DanielleBurnock.com. Love yourself from Survive to Thrive, that lady on the internet who loves you. And this is why I brought Travis in today to share with you, to see another person, another hear another person's story and how they struggled and how they got free and, and how something that appears to be so small can be such a big deal. And why denying your trauma hurts you. And I would just, if you even think that there's something you're struggling with, I would encourage you to do something about it. Don't wait for a train wreck if you can help it. I understand we discussed that, how sometimes it takes a train wreck, but you know, maybe it doesn't have to, to do that. But I love you. Thank you for being with us today. And until next time, I love you. Thank you so much for listening to the Victorious Souls Podcast. You matter and you are loved. We'd love to connect with you further. So please visit us at daniellebernock.com and grab a copy of Danielle's free audiobook. And remember, only you can change your life. No one can do it for you.